Good morning. Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus. Good to see all of you. Appreciate the things we've been taught and exhorted and encouraged again today. Life is real, as we have heard already. You know, the wheels of time keep turning. As uh, Brian and Michelle would have said yesterday, it wasn't long ago that they were nurturing a little girl at their feet. And uh, yesterday they gave her away to a young man to be his wife, and uh, not many hours later, Grandma passed on from uh, the scene of this life into eternity, and so life goes on, we're all headed that direction, aren't we? It's only a matter of time. Or our Lord coming, one or the other, and we'll all someday close our eyes for the last time, take our final breath, and awake in eternity. We're here now. We're here now. You can turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Chapter 6. For those of you who were here, uh, it's been a few weeks back already when I... uh, Spoke from uh, Ephesians 6 here, verses 10 through verse uh, 18 or so. And didn't have time to cover all the material that I had at that point. And so today we're going to uh, try to cover the rest and just refresh ourselves a little bit on what we already uh, covered. And... uh, and then uh, try to cover the rest of what we didn't cover. <clears throat> so, we'll begin again this morning by reading Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10, reading through verse 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, 
And having on a bre- the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Why don't we stand together if we're able and uh, we'll pray. Father, our God, we again come into your presence here today. We have before us your word, and we are grateful that we also have your spirit, which we, though we do not see him, we are confident and assured of his presence. Today again, I confess my need of the Holy Spirit to help me to speak as I ought to speak. And Father, I pray we all together need the Holy Spirit to hear as we ought to hear. And Father, today, may there again be some truth come forth for each heart to be nurtured, to be ministered to, to be encouraged, to be established in the ways of you and of your kingdom. Father, I pray that today, if there's a heart here that is spurning the opportunity, is cold, is just here because they need to be here, because parents uh, would desire they be here, because they know they should be here, but in heart they really don't want to be here, I pray that somehow the Spirit of God would open their hearts to realize the futility of such an heart and attitude, and to be able to uh, grasp the treasure that is being offered time and time again, of faith in Jesus Christ and a changed life and a deliverance from the power of sin and darkness. Father, today, just bless this assembly. Cause your spirit to fall upon us and to uh, bring our hearts into tune with you, with your passion, with your burden. Father, we recognize that there are two kingdoms and we are either a part of one or a part of the other. A kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. Kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of Satan and his demonic hosts. Father, today we again choose to set our face toward your kingdom and to pursue it with all our hearts. Bless again the preaching of your word this morning. May it be easy to be understood. May it be truth according to your word and your spirit. And Father, again, just meet our needs. We are all in this warfare. We are all, from time to time, facing battles in our experience. And today, equip us, Lord, by your word. Equip us for the next battle. Lord, deliver us or raise us up from the battle we may have lost in the past. And Lord, strengthen us and uh, lead us on. God, we ask again a blessing upon this assembly. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, as we said already, you know, the wheels of time keep turning, and uh, we're all one, you know, we're all closer to eternity, closer to our death, closer to the final 
breath than uh, we were even a moment ago. Uh, And every breath we take is getting us one breath closer to uh, our final breath, our final uh, destination. And while we are in this life, this... uh, this scripture, without a doubt, bears out the fact that uh, we're not in a playground. We're not in a. We're not living life in a place where we can just uh, relax, pr- uh, kick up our, uh, prop up our feet, uh, get a good book, and take it easy. That's not the uh, picture that the scripture gives us of life and the life of the believer. It rather gives us a picture of uh, conflict. gives us a picture of warfare. You know, Jesus said uh, some things like, uh, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Uh, Every man shall be against, how does it say, I'm just trying to quote these a little bit out of my mind here, Uh, the foes of a man shall be his own household. You know, various things like that that indicate that, uh, you know, the, the Christian life is not, uh, it's not going to be a live happily ever after uh, type of life. And it's not going to be a prosperity uh, life as some would claim it to be. But it's going to be, uh, there's going to be conflict. And that's, uh, that's what this scripture bears out. And by the grace of God, we again want to look at this a bit. Uh, This scripture, uh, it says that uh, we're, uh, maybe I'll just again highlight just briefly on the word, finally, my brethren. You know, he's written many, many things. He's given many, many beautiful truths in this book. And he's winding down and it's like he wants to leave them with one final message. You know, one thing yet to consider. Finally, my brethren. One more thing. Listen up. I've got something to say. Um, Something important. Finally, my brethren. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Of course, now we we, uh, realize that this is talking about battles. This is talking about warfare. Uh, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We have an enemy. Clarifies that. We have an enemy. The wiles of the devil. But, and he clarifies it even further, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, when conflicts and difficulties arise, it's so easy for us to see people. And to look at people and think people are the problem. And and obviously, as people, we sometimes are problems, aren't we? (laughs) You know, we don't always do everything right. We don't always treat everybody the way we ought to treat them. And we don't always uh, say things the way they ought to be said. We realize that. We know that. But the thing that we tend to forget, even in just common misunderstandings between us, you know, me and my wife, or uh, me and my children, or you and your family, or brothers in the church, and the thing that we can tend to forget is that it's maybe not just the fact that somebody didn't just do something just right. There's also an enemy. There's a devil. There are spirits of darkness that are ruling in the darkness of this world. And they have an agenda they have a mission. They, are, they have purposes. And they're trying to accomplish something. And their purpose, obviously, is to destroy the 
the work of Christ and the kingdom of Christ. And we know that uh, we are in the winning kingdom, but we also recognize that we are not automatically blocked and sheltered from his assaults. Is that right? We realize that. You know, uh, and we thank God for uh, all the spiritual uh, um, power and protection. And we're going to look at it here today. The graces of God. And, and, the, and the Bible says that we will quench all His fiery darts by faith. But we realize that there is not just an automatic wall that separates us from Him, the enemy. We know that. He does assault us. He does throw those darts that are loaded with venom. You know, something that's a point of temptation, whether whatever it is, you know, and He He puts us in the right situation where He can throw one at us that will just hit us at a time of weakness and try to overthrow us in our faith and all those kind of things. We recognize that uh, we have an enemy like that. <clears throat> and uh, But we do not despair. Yet at the same time, this scripture does exhort us regarding this enemy. He clarifies who the enemy is. It's uh, We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against uh, principalities and, and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. <clears throat> In the last message, I asked the question, why does spiritual warfare exist? And I've already answered it partially. One of them is the fact that there is an enemy of all righteousness, which we've been talking about. The second point of why spiritual warfare exists is because there is a world around us. And as this scripture says, uh, the rulers of the darkness of this world, uh, the devil rules in the darkness of this world and people subject themselves to that. And one of the uh, reasons there is a spiritual battle going on is because uh, the uh, the world around us is bold in its appeal to us to partner with them in sin. The world is extremely bold. You know, uh, sin, some of these uh, extreme wickedness used to be done in darkness, but not anymore. It's in king's palaces. It's in, it's in, uh, you know, it's on front page news headlines. It's, you know, abominations, things that are wickedness in the sight of God. And we don't even have to go there uh, uh, as far as uh, how the world makes its appeal to us. There's a, there's a, a whole vast uh, 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 catalog of appeals it makes long before we get to those extreme abominations. But just to say where we're at in this world, the world is bold in its appeal toward us, you know. And they use all, uh, all sorts of uh, uh, agendas to try to accomplish it. And uh, we face it, you know. We, uh, uh, we we you can't you can't pick up a newspaper without uh, the world's appeal uh, to your heart. You can't walk into a grocery store or a or a, a you know a shopping mall or whatever without. In fact, some of those places are just reeking with the appeal of the world toward you and your flesh and to, to, to bold in their appeal to draw you into their vices and their snares. And so we're we're in a battle. <clears throat> And if those two aren't enough, the world and the devil, we have our own flesh to deal with. The Bible talks about uh, in James that uh, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. You know, and uh, the, the world and the devil, they make their appeal to us in uh, many times, not always, uh, 
But you know how it was for Jesus. He, uh, he was hungry, and where did the devil attack him? Where did he throw the temptation? Turn that stone into bread. Everybody will believe if you do that, you know. Turn it into bread. You're hungry. He, he attacked him right at a point of that was a natural desire. But he attacked him, uh, or uh, the, the, the problem with it, he was, he was, uh, 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 a, he was trying to trick him into fulfilling that desire in an unlawful way. And that is typically the, the nature of temptation. It's uh, something that appeals to, often to something that's natural to us. A natural even, can even be a natural desire that, a God-given desire. You know, hunger for food, that's just a natural thing. Just a part of us. And yet, it can be a point where we can fall into sin if we, if we uh, aren't, you know, master of it. And it is master of us, or in the situation like Jesus had, <clears throat> where he didn't uh, heed the devil's uh, pressures and temptations. <clears throat> So, why is there a battle? We have an enemy. We have a world that is, which is the devil. We have a world that is bold in its appeal to partner in sin. And we have our own flesh to deal with. This scripture encourages us and exhorts us to have on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. As we said the last time, you know, there's, I think we all probably in some form or another recognize that there's days when uh, life is just a breeze. Life is a blessing. There's no unusual things going on in our lives. Temptations seem to be some distant memory. And life is good and peaceful and restful. And then there's those days when it's totally opposite. Sometimes even unexplainable why it happens, but... All of a sudden, we feel bombarded from every angle. Uh, whether it's difficulties and trials and temptations and, and uh, pressures. and I think that's probably what the scripture is speaking about when it talks about having on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And it could be, uh, I think it's, you know, it applies to us here and now in our life. And obviously it can also apply to uh, uh you know, as time goes on and, and our world degenerates, the Christians will face, you know, more persecution and those are evil days as well. But I think it's not uh, a scripture that you just kind of put on a shelf and say, well, that, that's uh, the evil day is when persecution comes. The, we, we face those days right now. We face those days when it seems like the, all of hell is against us, is trying to overthrow us, is trying to cause us to fall. Uh, is trying to uh, detract us from our uh, uh, pursuit of God. And that we have done all to stand. That we have equipped ourselves. That we have, uh, uh, we are prepared. That when that day comes, it doesn't catch us off guard. But we are prepared. We are, uh, we are girded with our armor. So, that's where we're at here this morning. We'd like to uh, talk about this armor a bit. We did talk about, in verse 14 it says here, Then stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. We did speak of that in the last message, and I'm going to just refresh us a little bit, and then we'll keep on going with the rest of the points. The armor of truth. Jesus, in his ministry... He's, he, uh, in John, I believe it's John 17 in his prayer, he says, uh, he's saying to God to 
sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. He said. Uh, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus himself also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in Philippians 4.8, we are exhorted with this idea that whatsoever things are true, think on these things. Set your mind on the things that are true. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 2 to verse 4, Paul is exhorting Timothy. He says this, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, will not endure truth, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall turn unto fables. Does that describe our generation? Shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall turn unto fables. <clears throat> you know, what is truth? You know, the bottom line of truth is that it truth is the way things really are. There's not really anything mystical about truth. Truth is Exactly the way it really is. Um, when uh, when we uh, want to know about God, we can open His Word, and what we read in this Word about God is exactly the way it really is. And that is truth. How we perceive what we read might not always be uh, 100% unfallible truth because maybe we didn't quite perceive the word of God the way we should have and that's part of the reason we're in a brotherhood because we help each other understand uh, but this the truth that we learn about God is it is exactly the way it is you know what we learn in the word of God about uh, man you know humanity human race about the fall about the sinfulness of man. We, we can open the Bible, we can study it, and what we read about mankind is absolutely true in this book. What we read about Jesus Christ and salvation, it's absolutely true. Uh, so, you know, there's, uh, there's many books written and many messages preached and many things said and there are Elements of truth in, probably in most books, there's probably some books around that don't have any truth in them. Uh, but, but there, you know, almost every book is gonna have some truth, uh, every message preached is gonna have some truth in it, but, you know, uh, to stand up here and say that everything I say is absolute truth would be a lie. Because I am limited in my perception. I am limited in my ability to, uh, to, uh, uh, discern and understand what God has given us here in this book. And so, uh, to say that it's absolutely truth would be probably stretching it a little bit. But, we do have an absolute truth. And that's why we always have this, you know, at the, would we, I don't know if we want to say at the bottom or at the top, but we always have to come back to this. You know, we can read other books about 
God and we can listen to messages and we can do all kinds of things, but we always have to come back to the fact that this is the foundation of all truth. And if uh, something we read and something we hear and something we perceive doesn't match this book, then it is not truth. And uh, in all of our perception, in all of our learning, in all of our studies, we always want to be certain to have the Scriptures as the kind of the final authority to all of our perceptions of truth and what truth is. <clears throat> and we are to have, as he says here, the armor of truth. You know, when we understand uh, the truth about God, the truth about ourselves, the truth about Jesus Christ, the truth about life, you know, as the Scripture reveals it to us, and, and not saying that the only places we learn about life and its reality is, is just from the Scriptures. Not saying that. But just the fact that this, you know, this has to be somehow that bottom line foundation that everything else gets evaluated with. And as we learn, we are better equipped to fight, aren't we? If we have a good understanding about God, we have a good understanding about, uh, just for example, uh, the fact that the devil, uh, his doom is sealed. The fact that he's, uh, he's, uh, he's going around as a, uh, how did Pilgrim's Progress depict it? A lion without teeth. You know, a great big roar trying to scare everybody. But he's, he's a toothless creature because his power is taken away. Uh, there's a sense in which that is true for us as believers. He's, he's just, he's limited. And uh, when we understand those things, when we understand, uh, well, just take for example, uh, even uh, we have 1 John 1, 9, which is often abused, you know. Uh, if we uh, confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Uh, a scripture that can often be abused. You know, well, we go through life and we sin and we just First John 1, 9 it. Every night before I go to bed, I confess. And, and so that scripture can be abused. However, that is a truth that is in the Word of God that there's times when you and I need that truth, right? There's times when our hearts need that truth. Something uh, did happen in our lives and we... We did do something we realized was a violation to God's will for our lives and, and we, we feel guilty about it and we uh, are maybe even a bit distraught that we would have, uh, would have fallen into that uh, particular issue and uh, the devil would be right, like to be right there to just slay you and you wicked fellow, you're of no good, you're no good to God, you never were and you never will be. And that time like that, that scripture can come in and undergird us and we can uh, draw strength from that scripture and have our hearts encouraged and again realize that God does love us. We can get on our knees and confess that sin and be back in our right relationship with God and the devil has to go a-packing. And, you know, that's truth. And when we understand those truths in our hearts and lives, they are tremendous equipment to fight the battle. And so he tells us, to uh, uh, to have on the armor of truth, <clears throat> and so as we uh, you know as we you know all of us we all started from a child you know somewhere our you know our parents taught us we were we grew up and we began to develop in our own person we began to understand more about life and and uh, and we all. We all, that happens to us all. The important thing is that uh, as we are as, as we are developing, and, and even as children now are developing, that we have a uh, 
that are, we have a, a perspective of truth. That as a person, we have a perspective of truth. And I, I have confidence that, that that is happening in your lives. Uh, it has happened in, in many of our lives and continues to happen and is happening in the lives of our little ones. That they have a perspective of truth. They, have a, they get an understanding of God. They get an understanding of, of uh, uh, like we already said, about us as human beings, about our needs, about uh, Christ and His uh, uh, sacrifice for our sins. All that perspective is laid in their hearts, giving them a, a perspective of truth. We could say a biblical perspective, but it's a perspective of truth. They have an understanding about what life really is and what it's really about. And uh, it gives a tremendous footing for a Christian life uh, to and a life to, to be lived for God. <clears throat> On the other hand, if we were to... Uh, for example, uh, have the perspective that is given in our schools today of uh, evolution, and we all just kind of evolved, and just picture that kind of a perspective in a growing child's heart, and uh, uh, where will that child go when they reach 20 years of age and are trying to figure life out, and they have the perspective that I somehow evolved my ancestors somehow evolved from some glob somewhere. And uh, so where does that put me, you know? Uh, it, it's an awfully confusing picture. But if we have the perspective that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And uh, on the first day he created this and that and the other thing. And the second day and so on down to the sixth day. And when we have that perspective in our hearts, it puts things in a in a place of uh, uh, where we, you know, we have an, a perspective of truth. We understand exactly how it really is. And that's the perspective we want <clears throat> and need to have and is tremendously beneficial in, a, in the, in the uh, spiritual battles of life. <clears throat> All right, he moves on. In this scripture, he says, uh, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, righteousness here, and uh, I'm not going to take a lot of time to talk about, you know, what each one represents, you know, in the actual armor type of thing. I think Raymond Zizet actually has a, a full armor thing that he's used already in children's classes where you actually put these pieces on it. I should have maybe asked him for it. That would have been pretty interesting up here. Huh? But uh, I'm not going to take a lot of time, but we notice that each one covers a different area of our, our body, which represents, you know, protection, uh, represents being equipped. And this one, righteousness, is a breastplate. Uh, and let's think about righteousness a little bit. There's uh, various aspects of righteousness. The uh, the Bible does tell us in Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. Uh, so righteousness is something that our heart should be pursuing, desiring, uh, going after. Uh, it, 2 Timothy 2, verse 22 says, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness. Faith, 
charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So, flee youthful lusts, but follow righteousness. Ephesians 5 verse 9 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So, we conclude that when the Spirit of God is at work in our lives, when it is actively uh, active in our lives, it produces righteousness. Now, uh, you know, we, we read of uh, scriptures that, uh, in Romans, I believe it is, trying to remember in some of my studies, I didn't write all these down, but we, we have, uh, you know, we're made righteous through Christ, you know, uh, in, His righteousness is imputed to us, you know, and it talks about uh, that righteousness which is by faith. And we believe that. We are, you know, we come to God and, and uh, as a sinner we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we are made, we are righteous in His sight because of that belief. And then we have these scriptures that uh, refer to us, like the one there in Matthew, pursuing righteousness. Uh, uh, following after righteousness. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is goodness, righteousness. You know, the, uh, the, uh, when we become born again, and we have the, the you know, we are, the, God declares us righteous because we believed in Him and in His Son, and His Spirit is put within us, and that Spirit begins to work out His righteousness in us, in our everyday life. Not only do we have some kind of righteousness that we get over here and put in our pocket, you know, the righteousness of Christ making us right before God, but that spirit within us begins to actually change us and who we are into a person uh, that represents, that, uh, that uh, has the uh, similarities of our Lord Jesus in our responses. <clears throat> in... Uh, in Romans 8 verse 1, the scripture tells us, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Uh, so there we have the person who is in Christ, you know, just like we talked about. He's in Christ, but he still has to walk, right? He's in Christ, but he has a life to live. He has the Spirit of God within him. And he's also living in a vessel of flesh and clay. And that vessel of flesh and clay has its ideas at times. But the Spirit of God is within and it has its plan. It has its desire for us. And if we will walk in the Spirit and as Colossians says, mortify the deeds of the body, there is no condemnation to that person. Like Romans says. In other words... As the Spirit of God is working out a righteous life, there's no condemnation. The person doesn't need to feel any kind of condemnation in his life. But does that say then that the other way would be, could be true also? That if a person walks in the flesh rather than in the Spirit, that he should have a sense of condemnation? That there should be some guilt, some sense speaking to him that not all is well, that Jesus didn't die 
and shed his blood for you to continue to live in your, in your pursue your fleshly desires, but that he died to deliver you from those desires and to uh, begin to live out his life in you. <clears throat> so that person uh, should expect actually to feel some condemnation. That not always well. That this is not the way Jesus intended his believers to live. Those that are filled with his spirit. And so righteous living, you know, when you think about that, uh, that, you know, condemnation versus no condemnation, uh, righteous living, you know, by the spirit of God working in us and producing, uh, as we pursue righteousness, we pursue, uh, we follow after it, we desire it, and we walk in it, walking in the spirit, it's a great strength to us, isn't it? In, uh, in that day of battle, in that evil day when the devil would like to overthrow us, when the devil would like to unload his guns on us. A righteous life where he cannot throw any condemnation at us is a big help, is a tremendous strength. When we've been messing around with all sorts of sins and the devil unloads his guns on us, he's got a lot of things to start accusing us of, doesn't he? Because we've been just playing around. We've been, we've been uh, walking in the flesh and this and that and the other thing. And, and he's got a lot of places to target us. But when we are, uh, when we're walking in the Spirit and endeavoring to, uh, pursuing that righteousness and endeavoring to live life the way God intended us to, Tremendous strength when the uh, battle comes our way. <clears throat> and by the way, the title today is Prepared for Battle. We want to be prepared when battles do come. Moving on, the next point that is given us here is, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, having your feet Shod, I don't know what you think about there, but maybe we'll focus on that just a moment. In, in the book of Exodus, in chapter 12 of Exodus, verse 11, is, is the children of Israel were preparing, God was preparing them for their exodus out of Egypt. And uh, as he was giving them their instructions when they were to, you know, eat their Passover, uh, uh, eat their, the, kill the Passover lamb and put that blood on the doorposts and and all that that evening, uh, that they were going to exit the land. This is what God said to them in Exodus 12, verse 11. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste, for it is the Lord's Passover. The picture that we get there, you know, you're going to eat it, you're going to have your shoes on your feet, you're going to have your loins girded, you're going to have your staff in your hand. In other words, you're going to be ready to go. Uh, at the moment when the call comes, you are going to be ready to go. You're, you're not going to have to do any preparation anymore. And uh, as I'm speaking here, my mind goes to the ten, uh, the virgins, the uh, five wise and the five foolish. You know, five of them were ready to go. Five of them had problems they needed to try to take care of. That's the picture we get. 
being ready to go, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3 verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you, that is in you with meekness and fear. <clears throat> so the, uh, the picture that we have here is, uh, I believe, is, as it says here, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Always a preparedness to share our faith. To share, uh, you know, and sharing our faith can mean a lot of things, uh, depending on the situation you're in. Uh, and, and what, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily just mean that you share the fact that you're, uh, you, you believe in Jesus. You've been born again, you know. You're a believer in Jesus. It can mean a, a lot of things about the faith. But just simply being prepared to share the faith. Uh, it is, again, a tremendous, I believe, uh, it is a tremendous help in uh, this whole matter of spiritual warfare. And uh, I think I can safely say that it can be a tremendous help to young people. When uh, you find yourself in the conflict of peers, you know, and peers that want to influence you in uh, wrong ways, to be able to have an feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, to be able to speak up and to say why you won't go along with it. Why you won't uh, uh, watch that movie or, or go to that uh, particular place or, or uh, listen to that particular music or whatever. Uh, to have your uh, uh, feet shot, to be prepared to give an answer and to state why you believe what you believe and why you do what you do. And uh, to share a word for the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> it will help you stay focused. If you can do that. You know, we don't want to be obnoxious in our relating to others. But we don't need to let others control the environment in which we relate. And I want to encourage us in that. You know, we can... Uh, and I realize, you know, we're all different personalities. Some of us are going to be more timid and not as quick to speak up, not as quick to make ourselves heard. And, and then when we do make ourselves heard a bit on a, you know, in a situation, we feel, are tempted to feel bad afterward and eh, all those kind of things. But let's not shrink back from being firm, being strong, being uh, equipped, being prepared to share. And being, uh, you know, just for example, a workplace. You know, maybe you're on a, on a maybe you're working, maybe you're by yourself and, and some other people that uh, don't uh, embrace the truth and purity and holiness like you do. And maybe they uh, use uh, derogatory terms about the things of the faith or, or maybe they're even unbelievers or whatever. And, or maybe there's a couple of you with a couple of uh, unbelievers, or whatever the situation might be. Now the question is, will you allow them to control the environment in which you work? And again, we're not talking about being obnoxious and, and pushy, and, but we're talking about a spirit about us that, that uh, uh, 
just speaks into the situations at the right times and does not allow the evil to all to be the predominating environment, but to bring the grace of God into that environment, to bring the truth of God into that environment, to bring the holiness of God into it. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. <clears throat> Lord, help us in that one. Make us those kind of disciples. <clears throat> I say that because I'm the kind of person who is not a conversation leader. <laughs> Some of you are more that way. I'm the kind of person who follows conversations more. But... Uh, so I recognize my deep need on that one. <clears throat> to be able to uh, bring the grace of God to bear upon and the truth of God to bear upon situations that otherwise it wouldn't be there. And it's dependent on me. <clears throat> Alright, let's move on. Taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, faith is the substance. Those two terms mean about the same thing. Substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. You know, uh, when Israel walked up to the uh, uh, Jordan River and they had an army behind them and a river in front of them, uh, it looked like a, it looked like their doom, didn't it? And apart from a God who is all powerful, it would have been their doom. And that's the thing that we have to remember, as as uh, uh, believers in God. You know, we do at times face situations that seem impossible in our lives, in our experiences, and that are impossible except for God. And it could be little things, and it could be big things. But the key is, just like Israel, the key is to, to you know, we have a, our faith is not an empty faith. Our faith is in an all-powerful, all-living God. And so our, to, to look at that river, and to believe that God is going to part that water, and we're going to go right through it on dry ground, is not an empty belief. That God is, and I'm not sure if they understood how God was going to, uh, actually, it's been a while since I read that, I, whether they already understood how God was going to do this to get them through there. We don't always understand it, do we? But the key is to, to, in faith, faith, faith is confident of what's going to happen before it happens. Faith is as sure about it before it you know, takes place as it is after it took place. And I realize people run on things like that and, and uh, you know, if you're sick, well, you're going to be healed. You've got to have faith. You're going to be healed. Well, you might be healed. God might choose to heal you. But I think we all understand well enough that God might also choose to, like Paul, not uh, see it as his best interest to remove that thorn in the flesh but to show his strength in weakness and so it takes faith in that kind of situation too and so a shield of faith <clears throat> believing you know uh, 
trusting, having that kind of trust and confidence in God that even when we do not understand and we do not see our way clear through and it seems like we can't see any further than this, to actually be able to trust in God and rest in God. Until, you know, God gives us further understanding, further revelation. And uh, taking the shield of faith. The Bible tells us that uh, we can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked if we have faith in God. You know, one thing we can be confident of is that it is God's will that we do quench those fiery darts of the wicked. We can be confident of that. We can have full faith that God wants us to quench those darts. And uh, may we, like Abraham, who says he against hope believed in hope when there didn't seem any possible way that his aged wife Sarah would have a child, he believed God. And uh, when we face situations where it doesn't seem like any possible way that good can come out of this or that we can uh, get through this or that... uh, uh, Let's remember Abraham. Believed uh, against hope, believed in hope. When we lose faith... Well, let me say this first. first. Faith keeps us going in the impossible because our faith rests in a God with whom all things are possible. And we can be assured that if God doesn't answer exactly the way we hoped He would, that He has a purpose. And that His will and His... He's still at work. And that He is still accomplishing and will continue to accomplish what He wants in our lives. If we lose faith, or when we lose faith uh, in God we will go down quickly, won't we? We will lose quickly. We will lose our footing. We will lose our confidence, our trust. And uh, the enemy has an advantage very quickly. Prepared for the battle. All right, the next... Scripture here in verse 17 tells us to take the helmet of salvation, which is the sword of the Spirit. Oh, excuse me, that, and the, that's, that's the next phrase. We won't want to jump into that one yet. The helmet of salvation. Let's take a few moments there. Uh, you know, when we think about salvation, let's, let's go to uh, Peter. Second Peter. Second Peter speaks about, uh, in the first chapter, I'd like to talk a little bit about, as we think about the helmet of salvation, obviously a helmet is on your head and it's going to protect you from a lot of things. And uh, salvation, your salvation is a helmet for you. It is a, again, when we think of battle, it's a tremendous protection. And I would like to think about our salvation in the past and present and future. Three different aspects of salvation. And Peter gives it fairly well here in Second Peter. 
the uh, the first four verses speak of our salvation, our past salvation. As he addresses the believers, he says, uh, Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye, sh- ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lusts. There we see our past salvation. Our, you know, in those scriptures you can see what took place when you first believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you were born again, uh, uh, you have obtained like precious faith through the righteousness of God, our uh, God, and our Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, he had, uh, and of course, peace, grace, and peace uh, multiplied to us through Christ. He has given us His divine power that uh, gives us has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's, you know, that divine power. That's the new birth. That's what we get when we get the Spirit of God. When we uh, have a changed heart and life. We have that divine power within. It's uh, the salvation. Uh, being uh, saved from what we were. To something new. And something different. Colossians describes it this way. Who delivered us from the power of darkness. And hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Salvation. Our past salvation. You know, that initial uh, time when we were delivered from our sin and ourselves in the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. And we become partakers of the divine nature, as this scripture says. And uh, we've, uh, we've, di- we've, been, we've received the divine power that gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that we need as a believer. To, uh, to now live this new life in Christ. <clears throat> so, our past salvation. Never forget the blessing and wonder of that past salvation when you were delivered from the power of darkness and sin and translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. Scripture goes on here. We notice a present salvation. He says, And beside this, verse 5, beside this giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So here we, we uh, clearly, uh, beside this giving all diligence, add to your faith. Here we have the continuing work of the Spirit of God in our hearts. And of course, he, he, uh, he appeals to us in this whole matter as well. It's not just something that the Spirit of God automatically does. But he appeals to us to, 
you know, in cooperation with God's Spirit as it works in us to allow these things to be worked in our lives. He says, if, if this is not happening, then you've forgotten that you were purged. You've forgotten that you were translated from kingdom of darkness. And uh, so there's this continuing salvation, the continuing work of God and His Spirit in us to, uh, uh, to, to make us into Christ-likeness, to make us uh, a godly person, as it says here. A uh, uh, godliness, brotherly kindness, uh, charity, temperance, patience, working godliness in us. Add to your faith. In other words, another way to say that would be flesh out your faith. You know, your initial faith is kind of like the bony structure. Now put some meat to the bone, you know. Flesh it out. Give it some real life. Show the world what real faith looks like by the life you live. Flesh out that faith. And then he goes on and speaks about our future salvation. Verse 10, Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there is our future salvation. So we have past, present, and future. The helmet of salvation. You know, every, every one of those aspects of salvation are important. They're important to us. They're important to us to understand. Uh, they're important to us to, uh, uh, you know, as we live this Christian life and as, uh, the, as God works in our lives and, and life's uh, various challenges and difficulties and training ground and school that we're in is upon us. These things, you know, having this understanding of our past salvation, our present salvation, our future salvation can be a tremendous help. Can he be a, a, a tremendous strength to us in the battle and in the warfare that rages? And we can equip us and help us to be strong and uh, be overcomers. <clears throat> Moving on here, back to our scripture in Ephesians. He tells us, uh, continues at verse 17, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, uh, the sword of the Spirit. We're to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, we realize that and we understand that, uh, you know, we have the Spirit of God within us. Now, this scripture tells us that the Spirit of God has a weapon. He calls it a sword. Now, if there was a a soldier came walking in here with a sword, I think uh, we would kind of tremble a little, wouldn't we? We know that weapon, that sword, could do a lot of damage. The Spirit of God, it tells us, has a sword. What is His sword? According to this scripture, His sword is the Word of God. So you have the Spirit of God within you. Do you... Have you given him his equipment? 
or does he just automatically have it? I'd like to suggest that uh, you need to equip the Spirit to do his work by having plenty of the Word of God in your mind and in your heart. The Word of God is the Spirit's sword. How many times have... uh, you know, you face a given situation and some scripture in some way, shape or form came to mind and spoke into the situation and uh, gave you direction, helped you at that very moment. See, the Spirit of God uses the Word of God. And if we will uh, equip ourselves well with the Word of God, the Spirit of God has His weapon. And he can use it in all kinds of situations. And if a, if, we're, if a soldier is effective using a, a weapon, a sword, how effective, do you imagine how the Spirit of God is even much more effective in using a sword? <clears throat> so, read the Word of God. Meditate upon it. Memorize it. Love it. Embrace it. Because it is a Spirit's sword. It's the weapon that the Spirit will use in your life and your experience to help you in a time of battle. Our last point here in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You know, we've we've, uh, noticed and looked at numerous points but we will never want to forget about the power of prayer. <clears throat> you know, in, in a world we live in, we can be tempted to become negligent in prayer. It's a very real battle. But I want to encourage us to refresh ourselves in the burden of prayer. You know, we need that connection with God. We need that... Uh, you, you know how it is. I think you, most of us who are of, of a mature understanding, we know how uh, how it feels when we get out of touch with someone personally. You know, haven't talked to them in a long time, uh, haven't had any open communication, you know, uh, uh, meaningful communication, whatever you want to call it. And you start to feel out of touch. We know what that feels like. You know, the same is true with God. But we don't communicate with God. We don't quiet our hearts before God and hear God and and speak to Him and make our burdens and our needs known to Him and and communicate and thank Him for His goodness and His faithfulness in our lives and and the various... You know, in prayer, we, we get out of touch. And life looks very different and situations look very different just again, let's use a natural example for a moment. Uh, we can un- misunderstand someone much, much more quickly when we're out of touch with them, right? Uh, they can say something or do something and we can misunderstand their motive very quickly when we're out of touch. Things can look very different when we're out of touch than what they might be when we're in touch, when we are connected. The same is true with God. Life, its circumstances, its situations, its difficulties. And whatever, you know, uh, life meets out to us. It can look very different when we're out of touch with God. When we've not been praying. In fact, just all honesty, 
on Friday, I had a restful, fairly restful, uh, quiet day in a sense. Didn't have a lot pressing and I didn't want a lot pressing. I felt like I needed to get in touch with God. There's a weekend ahead of me. There's a wedding. There's a sermon to preach on Sunday. My spirit was feeling a need to be in touch with God. I wasn't feeling prepared for the responsibilities that lay ahead. And I was blessed with the privilege to have a fairly quiet day. Where throughout the day, in numerous different times, I could just kind of sneak away into my study and just quiet my heart. And We need that touch with God. And I'm sure you've felt it already. And we don't want to... We don't want to wait until then to get in touch with God either, you know. But life has, life is kind of that way. It ebbs and flows and we realize that. But, uh, prayer, uh, staying in touch with God. We need it. We need, uh, we need His perspective on our hearts. We need His light shining on our hearts as we communicate with Him and as we relate with Him and His Spirit. Guides our thinking, and and uh, there's just something there, and so let's not forget the uh, the blessing of prayer. And uh, you know, sometimes we just need to, uh, if if prayer is hard, we just need to make a list, go down over a list of things that we want to bring to God, and so. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's be strong in the fight. You know, in the battle, we are uh, we are assured of the victory, and uh, we want to close with that note. Like the scripture says, you can quench by uh, the shield of faith, wherewith you shall quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. God does tell us that we have, through Him and His power, the believer has the capability to win every battle. Now, I don't want you to be discouraged if you lost one or if you'll lose one this coming week. I just want you to know that the equipment is there. In fact, maybe we also need to define a little bit what losing a battle is. The Bible tells us a just man falls seven times, gets up again. You know, if you fall and you stay down there in the mud, you're losing. But if you fall and you recognize your failure and you get on your face before God and repent and you get up and go, you didn't lose. Yeah, you may have momentarily got a setback, but you got up and you got in again. So, and we, you know, we all, we, uh, None of us want to see those falls, do we? We want to overcome before we fall. But we realize that in real life, different things can happen. And we want, I want all of us to be encouraged for the next fight. And to be strengthened in our spirits and, and uh, renewed in our faith and confident in our God. So, Amen. Can we kneel together for prayer, those who are able?
Father, we bow in your presence here again in this moment. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its uh, its practical truths that it brings to our hearts. And Father, thank you again today for your spirit that uh, speaks into our hearts through your word. God, I ask again a blessing upon each one here today and pray that each heart could have uh, met with a truth that would encourage them, would give them renewed faith in you, Lord. And Father, again, you know our needs. You know where we come from. You know what we'll face in the coming week. And I just ask, Father, that uh, we would be strengthened in you and prepared to continue our journey toward the finish line. Father, again, we are grateful for the freedom and privilege we have to gather this way. And we ask, Lord, that it be according to your will that you would continue to guide our governments in such a way that they would allow us this freedom, that we could gather and worship and uh, teach and uh, preach the whole truth of the word and be undisturbed. Father, again, pray that uh, you would continue to build your church in this day and time we live in. Lord, would your spirit strive with men with uh, the truth of the word and bring to faith and uh, trust in God, Lord. So, Father, again, we just commit these few thoughts to you and pray that uh, you would multiply the things shared to our hearts, that it could be nourishment for us all. Lord, again, thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.